welcome to Queers & Co, the podcast on self-empowerment, body liberation and activism for queer folks and allies. I'm your host, Jem Kennedy. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm a transformational practitioner and coach living in the UK. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Queers & Co. My guest today is someone that if you don't know already, if you haven't come across her, I'm sure you're going to be won over by how awesome she is by the end. I will introduce you to her and then really quickly tell you about a show that she's doing this Saturday. So if you're listening in the week that the podcast comes out uh, from the 10th of March 2021, then you won't want to miss the show that she's putting on this Saturday. So let me tell you about her first. I was really happy that she joined me in December 2020. We caught up just before Christmas and she just had surgery. So it was really amazing that she was still able to uh, come along and chat to me. She's also known as the Fierce Fat Feminist. She's an activist, a stage manager, a public speaker and a producer. So it gives you an idea of how busy she is and also has another job. It was great that we got to spend a bit more time together when she did the second round of my Making Waves course this year. So we've, we talk about actually in the episode how we've kind of swapped work with each other and how that's been a really cool experience for both of us. So without further ado, I will let you know if you haven't already guessed who my guest is, it's Lindsay McGlone. And Lindsay is um, hosting the Big Fat Burlesque show this Saturday, so Saturday the 13th of March 2021. If you want to come along, then head to her Instagram, Rolling with Lindsay. You'll find the details in the show notes and you'll be able to buy a ticket and watch online from the comfort of your sofa. You know how these online things work nowadays. We're very used to them. There are some incredible guests like the Prince of Persia and lots of other people. So if you're free on Saturday, then grab yourself a ticket and I hope you enjoy it. And now let me stop talking so that you can listen to my interview with Lindsay. Here you go. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, you all right? Yeah, I'm good. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. So um, we always start off with an intro. So if you could introduce yourself and then we can get down with the, the talking. Yep. So I'm Lindsay McGlone. I am the Fierce Fat Feminist. I am an activist, public speaker, Instagram coach and teacher, producer and stage manager. And I always say somewhat of an influencer. (laughs) I love that. I'd say you're very much an influencer, but I know some people have issues around that label. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So we've known each other for, I think, a bit over a year now. Maybe it's maybe a year and a half um and we were just saying before that we've like done each other's work so I've done your Instagram course which is really great in case anyone is looking to find out more about Instagram um and how to do it because I found out I was using it all wrong so that was really helpful (laughs) um (laughs) and then also you've been on my making waves program which just finished last night was the last session um so that it's been really cool to kind of switch work with each other and um yeah be in each other's worlds a bit I guess yeah definitely yeah, and thinking about um, last night, you weren't able to make the call because you had a really cool event called Sesh on the Sofa. So um, it would be great to hear how that went. Yeah, Sesh on the Sofa went really well. So I co-produced that with my sister um, and we raised money for charities. We did one in lockdown one and then this is lockdown two for us still because we're in tier three. And basically we just like bring loads of people on and we stream it live so that anybody can join and they donate if they can. And I believe we raised over £700 last night. So Brilliant. That's so great. And do you have you. plans for another one? No. Well, if I think we get her way, then yes. I know we've had a couple of venues approach us about doing it live um, on in regards to in a venue. So... We'll see what happens there. But in regards to going back to your point about working together, I think what it is for me is I feel that like we've both done each other's part that we're more confident on. So I'm more confident on my Instagram that I do activism and you're more confident on your coaching, but you do Instagram, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So it was like a complete exchange of skills. Yeah, it's been really cool. And um. Yeah, I think during the course, I mean, we started at the beginning of, I think it was the 8th or 9th of October and seeing what's happened across that time for you in terms of the different things that um, you've been involved with, obviously um, some personal stuff that's come up around um, 
what would you just say HS or yeah I just call it HS I can't even pronounce it properly myself (laughs) okay (laughs) I attempted it earlier but it didn't go so well so um yeah HS so the seeing the things that have come up for you like during that time has been amazing there's been so many changes and it would be cool if we can maybe talk about some of those yeah I'm down for that okay um so the first one and I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this publicly was um a talk that you gave and essentially someone that you've been working with over a year or so who's been recording your um your progress and what you've been doing actually realized that they were part of a problem after you talked about fat phobia in the media yeah so basically I mean Bruno's great he won't mind me talking and saying his name um, so Bruno <laughs> I work with the Guardian on a documentary at the minute and you know Bruno is obviously a journalist, a videographer, you know, he works very closely with the media. And we was do I did a I flipped it. I was like, let me interview you. Um, and he was like, all right. <laughs> so, so, you know, he's he's been really forthcoming. He's always paid for tickets rather than just expected to come to events. You know, he's he's donated, he's always, you know, genuinely supported me. And when he said he'd be up for it, I was like, right, I'm gonna go. Like, you're not ready. <laughs> and I said to him, Do you think that fat phobia it's part of the media and he said I don't just think it's part of it I think it's the staple of the media and he said that and something just like I already was aware of it but when he said that my mind just it it blew and I had to step away from the documentary for a couple of weeks I had to you know regather my thoughts and think about you know being part of the documentary and how going forward how I could go forward with that and then that's when the fat phobia within the media campaign happened which Bruno in fact himself paid for a ticket to attend um you know and for him to realize that from working with me is incredible because that realization is is what makes change and to be able to Mm -hmm. accept that I, I was really thankful for that so yeah that's where fat phobia within the media came from <laughs> Yeah, so great. And there's been so many other situations where you've um, been able to kind of turn people's opinions, which quite often can be quite challenging and doesn't really happen because um, I'm thinking about online spaces, for example, there tends to be like a lot of shouting that goes on between two different opinion um, or views, for example. But actually, um, you seem to have this real ability to sit down with people and to, I guess, by sharing your own personal story, but there's there's something more than that. Like you're able to bring people on side. Um, and there was an example of that with the Five Live um, interview that you did as well. Yeah. I mean, I am guilty of shouting. I am guilty of sometimes rather than talking with people, talking over people. And I'm trying to work on that, you know, like when I was a bit more, when I was younger, I didn't really have the maturity level that I do now. And I am guilty of shouting louder. And I think to accept that and to see that in us all, you know, we are human, but it's what we do to work on that. And I always find that when I'm sat down face to face with nobody else in the room or having a conversation, that's when you get me at my best. Um, And that's what happened on Five Live. So the conversation was regarding a concept called fat tax <laughs> where uh, larger people are deemed to have a um, a detriment effect on society meaning that, that they should pay more tax to you know kind of like I don't really know because I don't buy into it but I think justify you know that they apparently have a detriment effect to the NHS and so on um and the gentleman that I was talking with he believed that that was correct and obviously I believe that that wasn't correct we sat down we had a very lovely conversation we listened to each other and then all of a sudden he looked at the camera and he said do you know what she's right and I literally, I've got the, I've still got the recording, the video recording of it, um, of just the speaking part. And you just hear me break down crying. Oh. And he was like, do you know what? She's right. And he, cause, because he speaks about in his activism, um, reforming from being in prison and things. And he says, I've been in prison for years and I never had to pay any more tax for accessing a jail service. So why should they have to pay more tax? And I was like, he doesn't just get it, he really understands. Um, mm. 
and it was just a phenomenal moment. I was crying. So um, one of the camera people, they were just blown away. They took the the headphones off and were just like, well done. And it was, yeah, it was incredible. That's so great. I feel really emotional just hearing you say it because even when you shared it at the time, it felt like such a, a monumental moment to have that really kind of personal connection where oh, yeah, um, someone who yeah someone who just doesn't have that experience suddenly realizing like oh shit yeah that's that's what it's like or um I see that now and I think that is for me that's some of the most powerful activism you know those kind of transformational conversations that can happen yeah and like that hug because you can hear it in the clip because you hear our mics like muffle it's the hug that makes me emotional because I can just feel every time I hear it I feel the relief Mm. and just feel like the true acceptance and the just the case of like I hear you I understand and I get it now and I can just every time I hear the muffled speakers like the microphone sorry I just feel that emotion every time because it was one of the best hugs I've ever received in my life (laughs) because I could feel it from him that he understood that's so amazing and it also takes like it takes a lot for someone who's you know been brought on to a media show to be in the opposing position to actually be able to say you know what actually I was wrong like I don't think this anymore yeah definitely and just the other day I'm not sure as to why but I posted about my HS and he put a massive comment below saying how great it was to have met me and to have worked with me and again he publicly said what he used to believe and now what he actually believes and Mm. you know it it got me as well because I, I was shocked at what I do I've I've heard about it. I've I've had messages. But I've never seen it happen in front of me, and it was just like a penny drop moment. But literally, I saw it happen in front of me. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, and I'm conscious of like not spending the whole time talking about your campaigns because there are other awesome things to talk about too. But one other one that I wanted to um raise that other people may have come across was the Airbnb campaign earlier in 2020. Yes. <laughs> yes that Um, one (laughs) yeah so that really escalated um, a lot quicker than I thought um and I think people don't realize that I'm still in talks with Airbnb I mean my last interaction with them was actually yesterday around 3 15 um and it's now December this started in September um I have tried to set boundaries to you know because obviously for the work I do I get a lot of fat phobia in my messages, but not in a way that they want to be fat phobic towards me. They want me to do something about it, which I absolutely understand. But I said, I, I made, it were only a few weeks before, and I said, please don't send me just screenshots of derogatory language towards fat bodies because it can be really damaging for me and I might not be in that space. And I was actually at my cousin's house and I got a screenshot message and I, I just knew. And as I remember saying to her, I was like, if I open this, I'm not going to be able to not do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I opened it and, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that yeah. was not what I was expecting to see. So basically it it was an Airbnb listing that deemed that anybody over 16 stone or with an eating disorder was unable to access their vicinity, um, unable to stay there. And I just, I lost it. I'm not going to lie, but I was like, I need to put that energy into getting it taken down. Mm -hmm. So I put the links in my stories, in my bios, the swipe up links, and um, I put the links and the post on my page to get the listing removed. Um, It had 557 swipe up links in 30 minutes. And I was absolutely like gobsmacked. Mm. Um, a lot of influential people got behind it and we got it removed. It got put back up, but then got removed again within yeah. 48 hours. So great. And I wonder what, was there any communication from the like property owners? Did they apologize or was it, how did it kind of resolve on their side? They called us snowflakes and that was all they was prepared to say. Oh, how lovely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also, um, so I've got messages from the 
homeowners to other people who was emailing ferociously um saying to people that they hope that they don't get covid but in a in a sarcastic manner and really mm-hmm. vile things and this is why I'm still in conversations with Airbnb now because they they did update their discrimination policy uh, non-discrimination policy sorry on October the 30th again they've still not identified weight stigma and they've still not apologized nor I identify that they did allow that to happen because they relisted the building yeah so yeah. I remember when it went back up seeing it and like furiously reporting it again <laughs> yeah so it was and those two, three, four days were the most tired I've ever been with a campaign because it was so mm. full on because I just, I wouldn't stop until it was taken down. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't physically stop myself. Um, and I always say when people speak about my Instagram, it's not my following, it's my community. And without the community that I've got, I wouldn't have been able to achieve that. So it wasn't Mm. down to me. It was down to every single person that took a second, a minute, hours out of their day to report that and email and to share. So I'm so grateful. Yeah. There's something so powerful about that, bringing bringing people together though, that I think you're um Instagram community does so well um and obviously you're you're in charge of that and it makes me think of um not only I know you mentioned how tired how tiring that was just utterly exhausting um and I have questions around like how you look after yourself in those times um and also when you do your public speaking for example I know right now that's a bit challenging because uh, face-to-face opportunities are a bit less but um when you're talking about such traumatic and like really difficult subjects how do you look after yourself through that um so I think the first time which is actually the one that you saw at Thrive Mm -hmm. my keynote facts um that was the hardest one I've ever done because that was the first time and I knew that I needed to tell that story get it out there and then I'd done it and I didn't really think about what that would mean afterwards, to be honest. Um, Mm. And I was so excited from the event and how well it went. And then like a few days later, it hit me and it hit me hard. Um, And, you know, I had to sit with that and try and realise why I felt the way I felt. So just very generally exhausted and quite low and emotional. Um, But now I can prepare myself for that. So before I uh, go on stage, I... It sounds crazy because I don't really talk about the concept of health, but I do drink a lot of water and make sure that I've had something to eat because I'm very bad at not eating um, before I've got a gig or a show or public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then afterwards, I make sure that I just go home because in my younger days, um, especially with my burlesque as well, I used to go to a show or do public speaking, then go straight out then go to work but now I make sure that I've got that period of rest and reflection Mm -hmm. if I need it so I go home and do nothing else for that day. Yeah and it's important to mention I think that in amongst all of this like juggling all of your activism you're also um, holding down a job which is incredibly demanding and means that you need rest a lot. Yeah so I I do I am a care assistant um, and you know especially at the minute it's it's crazy it is crazy and I'm really privileged to be able to be in the position that I am um but I think especially after this year although I've been saying it for so long I really do need to you know kind of I always said I'd do five years and I think what I I always speak about the fact that I'm in healthcare and I never really speak about why especially in like these surroundings and I think just quickly it's important to say the reason I got into care assistant is because my grandma had dementia um and I used to help look after her and when I lost my grandma um I went down a really bad path um and I did self-destruct and I was very quite poorly with my mental health and I always said I'd do five years I'm coming up to my fifth year in healthcare so that's why I do it but I'm I'm going to be out after five years. I'm, I've got to do my activism and what makes me happy full time. And and I'm going to do it. I will do it. It's just a case of when. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt you will. And I think what, in an ideal world, what would that look like, like doing activism full time? Well, 
what it would look like for me is I, I came to the realization that, and I genuinely think it was the anesthetic. I remember writing a status um, that I want to coincide the Instagram training and the courses that I do alongside activism, because that's very much where my space is at the moment. And so many more people are finding solace and finding, you know, how that space can work in regards to activism that I want to help other people with their campaigns and how to use the online space to create and emphasize and build traction towards those campaigns so that's what I would teach that would be my main focus and then my activism and my public speaking alongside my stage managing would be the things that would be the add-ons that would, you know, make up that income. But, yeah, i definitely come to the realisation, I've already started planning for 2021, that my activism and my Instagram is going to coincide and I'm going to help other people of how to build traction to their campaigns because I've seen the power of it and it's incredible and it's fast. <laughs> yeah, great. That's so exciting. I can't wait to see where that goes. Thank you. <laughs> so um thinking more about your public speaking and you mentioned at the beginning that you um call yourself the fierce fat feminist I wonder if you could share how that came about and um yeah what what that experience has been like so far yeah so in 2016 I started my job um and I got a, my first official pay packet I always call it pay packet I don't know why it's just it's just ingrained that it's a pay packet. <laughs> and the first thing I did was run to, well, I say run. I went to a printing shop in town with my Primark T-shirt, Primark black tw size 20, two sizes too small T-shirt, toddling off to this printing shop. And I put it down and they went, what do you want on it? And I went, oh, I don't know, actually. I went, first fat feminist. And they went, okay. And I put it on, and there's an image on my Instagram of me wearing it. Got no makeup on. I've just finished work, and and you can just see it. You can see my whole being change almost, and just emphasise. And it's almost like a caricature of Lindsay, the fierce fat feminist. Um, and it's because it encompasses everything that I am. I am fierce. You know, I am ferocious. I'm. I'm passionate, I'm loud, um, I am fat, <laughs> um, and I am a feminist. And it does, you know, and using that word fat so openly, not that it should be a case of this, but using the word fat so predominantly in everything that I do, even if I'm just doing my Instagram training, even if I'm doing stage managing, it's still Lindsay the Fierce Fat Feminist. Because I want to show people that the stigma around that word and the connotations around being fat are not true. So mm. I was, you know, that statement for me just gives me that power of, not power as in the sense, that's probably the wrong word, but it gives me the emphasis of that this is my being, this is who I am, this is so strongly who I am, and that I can be that person and that's okay to be that person. Yeah. And how does it feel if you could, um, so in 2016, I wonder if you don't mind me asking, how old you would have been? Um, oh, how old would I have been? 17, 18? Okay, so maybe if we could have gone back to your like 14 or 15 year old self and asked her how she would feel about, you know, walking around with this T-shirt that says Fierce Fat Feminist on and be doing all of this cool stuff that you're doing now. I wonder what she might have what she might have said. I think she would have believed it, but she would have never have known that she could. Mm. I think she she would she would believe it was a possibility. I don't believe that she ever would have or believe that she could have done that um, because when I was at school I was very much of the opinion that I could be all these things but just on a, a smaller scale um, mm. and I think that's very much because the opinion that I should live in a smaller body so that doesn't just affect when you're and, and this is so important when society is telling people that they should have smaller bodies to be accepted they're not just telling us to have smaller bodies what we hear is smaller personality quieter voice less swearing more quote-unquote feminine and that's how I felt that everything that I did had to be smaller to fit in 
So mm-hmm. I think she would have known that that's what she wanted to do. She would have never have believed it could happen. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. And what changed? Um, I started wearing slogan T-shirts. I always say it when people ask me. They allowed me to say the words that I wanted to say before I could articulate them. And I honestly mm. do believe that. That's so powerful. I have never thought about it that way. Yeah. I used to wear what I wanted to say to the world before I could say it myself. And yeah. I honestly believe that. And what was the reaction? So when you're walking around Doncaster in um, a Fierce Fat Feminist t-shirt, what was that like? Oh, I remember when I first, I think people, I do think people, yeah, I always joke, I'm not very well liked in Doncaster, which is fair enough. Um, you know, we're a very old fashioned town, unfortunately. And, you know, there's only a small group of creatives that really like what I do and my work and they're activists as well. So we're all in very much the same kind of circle. Um, but it, because I don't drive as well, public transport was always the best. I mean, they wouldn't sit next to me anyway because I was fat. But then when they saw my T-shirt, I mean, oh, good gosh. Um, <laughs> you could see the reaction. People used to film me. Um, people used to ask me, which was quite good. I always found that was a, you know, a good exercise. If people would ask me, I'd tell them, I'm, like, I'm happy being fat. Um, they never really came back with anything because they couldn't. Um mm. If I wear them on a night out, I I haven't had a negative reaction yet to what I wear on a night out in regards to my slogan T-shirts. I don't think I've ever had a night out where I haven't experienced fat phobia, but in regards to um, the slogan T-shirts and dresses and things that I wear with writing, I always get really good reactions on nights out. Um, So, yeah, it's a mixed bag. I always see people staring. But I tell you what, the power of a slogan is honestly incredible. I was, when I went in for surgery last week, I was wearing my fat babe dress um, that I actually wore at Thrive, which is quite yeah, weird. Um, and the I saw the anaesthetist look at my dress and he said, we do have to have a conversation about your size. I'll keep it short. I'll keep it sweet. I just need to know how much you weigh so that I can give you the anaesthetic. You know the risks. And honestly... That conversation could have been winded out for about five, ten minutes because of medical fat phobia. Mm. But I was wearing that dress. He knew where he stood and he had that very quick conversation. And again, that is the power of a slogan. I'm telling you, yeah. it's revolutionary. <laughs> Amazing. How how fascinating that just by wearing that, that like actually names how you identify rather than, and, and also is descriptive, but like the fact that it names and it, there's something in that that he must have read and thought, um, like I wonder because he didn't know you did he did he no he didn't no yeah that's really amazing and I think that's the thing with um we've got a guest who you know Lindo Bacon Mm. um so Lindo is going to be a guest on um, a later episode of the podcast and obviously the health at every size movement is much more well known and I guess bigger in the US and there aren't that many medical professionals in the UK that have signed up to it so it's really interesting that he even had that insight from what you were wearing to then keep it short rather than to even um, carry on as he may have done in other conversations with other fat people. Exactly absolutely did and um, until I was wearing the gown the awful hospital gown every nurse or doctor who came into contact with me read my dress I saw them clock Mm -hmm. it and I honestly believe I had a better non-fat phobic experience because I was wearing that dress and people maybe who you know don't have you know the stance that I have will be like all right Lindsay but I'm telling you now because I know the power of what they've done for me wearing a slogan t-shirt you know honestly they have made they have made me able to do what I'm doing now because they did say the words before I even had to open my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like if anyone takes anything away from today, give a slogan t-shirt a try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's revolutionary. Awesome. Just interrupting with the episodely reminder to take a few breaths, have a pause and grab a drink if you haven't had one recently. And while you do that, I just wanted to let you know that I have a monthly newsletter I have historically been pretty bad with sending out regular newsletters because I didn't know what to say. (laughs) But uh, now I have decided to take the pressure off and just send a monthly newsletter. 
where I basically talk about some cool stuff that Quiz and Co folks have been up to, what I've been up to, and then there's also some really cool and hopefully helpful prompts in case you'd like to journal and reflect on what your month has been like and what you might like to leave behind in the current month and take forward into the next one. If you'd like to sign up to my newsletter, then you just have to head to my website, gemkennedy.com, and there's a box at the bottom where you'll be able to sign up for that. Or you can drop me your email address through Instagram and I can add you on that way if that's easier. And now I'll let you get back to listening to Lindsay. Yeah, I just have so many thoughts. I guess um, you mentioned having surgery last week. And I know that HS is a condition that you really talk about a lot on Instagram to try and raise awareness for. Um, And I wondered if you'd be happy to share with the listeners what what it is and what the experience is um, having HS. Yeah, so HS is basically, it causes abscesses, it's a skin condition, sorry, it causes abscesses, boils, um, blackheads, whiteheads on the skin, uh, but to a more excessive, you know, um, more excessive than just a regular whitehead or blackhead or boil. Um, it's continuous, it's painful, it's reoccurring, they come in the same position and because it's a skin condition, um, the abscesses can grow very quite large um, and there's very much uh, there's not very much awareness around it um, and I was diagnosed by accident <laughs> which is ridiculous in itself um, and last week one of my abscesses grew to a level of um, it was on my abdominal wall and um, I spent three days trying to be heard by the doctors they pretty much refused to see me the first time the doctor saw me he said you're going straight to emergency surgery so that I can have it drained and packed um and basically yeah, it just causes a lot of um self-confidence issues even with the first fat feminist um <laughs> a lot of pain um they weep and things like that and last week was like I very much reached the end of my tether with it and I was very mm. scared for my mental health. Um, but I've I've done the right thing. I've, I've rang a doctor, spoke to a doctor, the talking shop, and, you know, I feel a lot better now. Still having it packed, which people don't realise. So the aftercare after HS continues for a very long time. I'm not allowed mm. back to work now until after the new year. Obviously, we're filming, we're recording this in December. Um, so, yeah, it's... And it goes a lot, it it happens a lot without being diagnosed and that's what really bothers me because I've had it since I can remember and I was diagnosed um, at 21. So mm. you can imagine how frustrating that is. Yeah, and by talking about it and kind of um, being open about your experience of HS, have you found that other people have got in touch saying they experience um, the same thing and that they haven't been diagnosed too? Absolutely, and you know, somebody messaged me the other day and it was still when pretty sure that anesthetic lasted a long time I'm telling you now because I were not great and this person messaged me and she said I've been putting off going to the hospital because I know I need to she says because and she was a larger person and she said because they always treat me like rubbish and blame my weight and she said the fact that you've done it this week has made me book an appointment tomorrow and I'm going in tomorrow so I just want to say thank you and I was just like that's incredible like and again I was crying I'm very highly emotional and I I don't have a problem showing that you know and she and just things like that and then somebody who I somebody who does incredible artwork they came to me and they were like I think I've got it and I've you know I've purchased their art for like a year now and I was just like Mm -hmm. so many more people have got it than they think and if anybody listening thinks that they do have it like please reach out to me it probably took me four or five days to reply (laughs) because I'm not very good at replying but like just ask me about it and you know have a conversation and I'm you know with especially being larger with medical professionals unfortunately it's like you have to beg to be diagnosed it's like you have to you know tell them what's wrong with you um Mm. but if you think you have got it like just talk to somebody anybody even if it's me because it's it's such a lonely position to be in yeah and is it I I mean I hadn't heard of it before until you um have talked about it do you know how how rare or how um What's the word? How common it is? 
so people think it's rare it's very it's it's common but it's rarely diagnosed mm. yeah so, so it's really great to yeah it's a lot more common than people think and there's different stages to it so if you just have like and this is not to take away the experiences of what it's like having it but say you have five or six recurring boils that sometimes are a bit worse and they seem to reoccur and reoccur in the same area especially in the groin under the bust under your arms um then you've probably got hs and you don't even realize so yeah, thank you for sharing. I think that's really helpful if for anyone sort of wondering if they might have it or or what it might look like. Yeah. Um, yeah, and how are you doing now? Because obviously you just had surgery last week. <laughs> I'm all right. Like I say, I've never had surgery before and anaesthetic does some crazy things to you. Um, like I say, I am getting help with my mental health, which like I'm fine about. Um, I got straight on the phone. I suffer really bad from intrusive thoughts, so... Um, and I feel just having that conversation with doctor, I feel a lot better now. I've got mm. an incredible family that I live with. I still live at home and they support literally everything I do. Like I can't even explain how amazing my family are. And it sounds such jargon, but they are. Um, so the support from them has been incredible. My online community, of course. The frustrating part is that I can't go back to work and that I'm still having it packed. It's not a nice experience having it packed. So what packing is, is the wound, this thing that people don't realise. When you have HS and you have an abscess, they leave the wound open. So they just take out the infection, the bad stuff, and the wound is open. So I have an open wound on my abdomen right right now. <laughs> and they come in and, like, pack it with medicated um, packing. So it stings when it goes in, and it's quite painful. And then they put a, um, a dressing over the top. So I am walking around with an open wound, which is a bit frustrating. But apart from that, I'm not doing too shabby. Good. Yeah. And thank you so much for being here. Despite, despite that, it sounds really difficult. Um, <laughs> so um, thinking about your family, actually, I know that you do quite a bit with your sister now, for example, Sesh on the Sofa, and it'll be great to hear a bit more about what your relationship with your sister is like. Yeah. So me and my sister have got seven years between us and we we've like we've grown up together obviously we, my sister still lives at home as well as um we've always been a really close affectionate family i've grown up with both sets of grandparents i've been extremely privileged to have the family that i've had um and we're still very close in an intimacy level. I was actually going to speak about this on a blog post or Instagram. Like we'll still go to bed and have a hug and, you know, sometimes I'll go in her bed to sleep over in her room. And, and especially after the surgery, I've, mm. I've stayed with my sister every night. It's going to be my first night in my own bed tonight. Um, oh. And yeah, she's great. She supports everything I do. She's such an incredible, selfless, beautiful person. She will never understand how amazing she is. And she's been there through every point, um, especially with my mental health. She's, you know, she's got me through some of the hardest points in my life. And so have my mum and dad and my grandparents. Unfortunately, I've got no grandparents left. But like I say, until 14, I had both sets of grandparents. So I was incredibly privileged. Yeah, it's amazing to have such a, a supportive family. And I guess I wonder um, what that experience has been like, sort of even when things have felt really challenging outside, like facing fat phobia and um, obviously being very visible now in the media and on Instagram and stuff. How, how do your family support you? What's that like having that experience? Um, so with the fat phobia thing, like... My mum just goes, well, she's always been comfortable being fat. She's always said the word fat, never big, never big. And I speak about that in my in one of my talks, that, like even my mum, from a really young age, she can remember that I, if they used to say bigger or chunky, I used to be going, no, I'm fat. Like, <laughs> we laugh about that now. Like, you would have never have known that you saying, no, I'm fat, would mean what you do now. And my yeah. dad 
my dad just this morning, it said, you don't realise how proud we are of you. And I think my dad maybe struggled to understand a little bit more than my sister and my mum what it is that I do. But now he does. He really gets it and he really supports that. Obviously, sometimes it's hard with the, the media stuff and being in somewhat of the public eye. Um, that can sometimes be a bit much. Um especially when you get fake news. I've officially made it. I have had fake news about me before. Oh, what was the fake news? <laughs> well, I did an article. It was a paid article, so I should have known. And it was with The Sun, so I should have known uh, better. And basically, they were like, oh, we want to do a really positive article about female masturbation. I was like, great, this is great. <laughs> yeah. The, the headline was... Binge watching porn has got me through lockdown, and I was like, <sighs> "No!" And they changed and twisted everything. And I've got like a copy that I've highlighted every word. And what it is is, so <laughs> this is how I can get sometimes. This is probably why I do what I do. So the copy now that I've got is green, amber, and red. So green is things that I definitely said. Amber is something that they've altered, and red is a downright lie. And wow. it's pretty much all red. So that was that was hard. Um, yeah. And my mum wasn't very happy with that. But I wasn't very happy with that. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're so proud of me. And I feel that. You know, I genuinely feel that. It's not just words. They are proud of me. And sometimes they don't get the Instagram thing. Quite a lot of people don't get the Instagram thing, I guess. So that's fine. Yeah. And that was on my list, actually, as well, to talk about. So with um, having an Instagram account... What what is that like? Because um, I know that there's quite there's quite a lot of well, this is my assumption actually, and um, that there's quite a lot of pressure to kind of create content and to be always creating. And I wonder how that feels to you, if indeed it feels like that at all. Oh yeah, definitely. I, like I always go through these spouts of, am I creating or am I talking, so to speak? Um, mm. And, you know, with that's why I say somewhat of an influencer, because an influencer in the world, it very much, am I an influencer as in I'm an activist? Am I an influencer in the sense that people buy things because they see it on me? Like, what what is it that I do? That's why I struggle mm-hmm. with that. Um, because I always say if I want to influence in something, it would always be... Uh, to feel better in your body and to you know stamp out fat phobia above everything else always and categorically do you know what I mean that's that's yeah that's what I want people to be influenced about influenced about and that's what I want to influence people to do but of yeah. course with that and the way I dress comes the brand deals comes the gifting comes the partnerships the collaborations and I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy them but what comes with them is the idea of creating content. Um, And you have to be very careful, especially if you're branding yourself an activist, whether you're creating content for your audience or you're being an activist. So it is a very exhausting line and it's a very fine line of what I do. But now I'm of the attitude, if a brand or a partnership comes to me they see what I do they see what I'm about if they choose to work with me that's on them they've made that decision I fill out the quota and that is it but something that I categorically do do and I don't share this publicly but I share it on my close friends is that before I commit to a collaboration I will check that they align with my values I have turned down paid work if they do not align with my values, I've returned products if they don't align with my values. So it is a very fine line and it, there is pressure, uh, but I'm very much more relaxed now. If people don't like what they see or they don't feel that I'm product enough or content enough, that's on them. You know, I'm there to be honest, I'm there to do my activism and a brand deal now and again, and, you know, a collaboration now and again, I'm not going to turn it away as long as it aligns with our values. So that's kind yeah. of where I am now. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess it feels like a healthier mindset to have around, like, um, rather than sort of twisting and changing yourself into whatever brands might want you to be, actually just being like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. Definitely, that's pretty much where I'm at now. 
Um, mm. It's just a case of, well, just so you know, you've seen my work. That's what you're going to get. So if mm-hmm. you're happy with that. But like I say, I guess they wouldn't come to me if they wasn't happy with that. But I, I like to make that very apparent before agreeing. Yeah. Great. Um, so I'm conscious of time. I just have two more things to ask you about before we come to a close, if that's okay. That's absolutely fine. Okay. So one of them is a celebration. Um, and that's something that we always do on the course as well. So it's a shame that you can't bring this to the course because it's a huge one. So you found out this morning that you have been awarded the Young Changemaker of the Year for the Igniting Inspiration Awards. And they are um, run by Anne Chander, who we both know and who is excellent uh, and runs Inspiring Women Changemakers. So woohoo congratulations thanks ever so much I still (laughs) I'm a bit like this morning basically what happened was there was a knock at the door with a district nurse but I didn't know who it was there was a knock at the door I checked my emails and it were the email was listed shh you're a winner and I'm I'm a winner so I opened the email I whacked open the my bedroom door I weren't even out of my bed I'm shouting I'm a winner I'm a winner I've won (laughs) district nurses coming confused as hell my dad's shot out of his bedroom my sister's shot out of his bedroom my mum's at bottom of stairs we've got two builders in and they're all just shouting well done and I'm like crying Uh up at stairs um I'm absolutely gobsmacked. That's <laughs> so great. And I think we should give Heidi a special mention as well, Heidi Maver, for um for nominating you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I, I were like messaging Heidi and I was like, you literally have made my year. Like I don't know oh. I don't I can't explain it. It's just that idea of being it being believed and, and seeing that people get it. Because I think, especially with fat phobia, and especially talking about this crazy notion that I should be treated the same regardless of my size, and um, it's still very, it feels very new. It still feels very new, even though many people have, you know, spoke about it before and and done amazing work on it. Even though that's been going for years, it still feels like this unfathom- unfathomable concept to other people and I'm not sure as to why um, but just to know that people who have never met me are not aware of my work in regards to the judges were like yeah she's right and that's what it is more than anything and I kind of do want to change my bio to say award-winning activist I'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> well you could definitely put it on there yeah (laughs) oh that's amazing um yeah and I feel like yeah there's so much to to think about there and especially thinking about the people who came before us so like there is a huge long line of amazing fat activists who've come before you and the fact that you're still having to expend this energy to um to express work that is at such a um what's the right word? Like it's such a starting point that, you know, has been talked about for decades and is still being talked about. And the fact that you're still having to expend that energy is really frustrating, but also it's great that you're actually doing it because we can see that it's, it's making changes. Yeah, I hope so. I, I dearly do hope so. My mum said to me this morning, um, because one of the judges comments mentioned that they hope that my activism gives me a viable and financial future. And that that really like hit home. And I read it to my mum, mm-hmm. and she said, "If you're being honest, Lindsay, that's what you want, isn't it?" I said, "Yeah, I don't want, in regards to finance, I don't want lots and lots of money, and I don't want to be in a really amazing position. All I want is a house that I can keep myself, and to carry on changing people's opinions, and to be able mm-hmm. to do it full time. That's what I want." Yeah and hopefully yeah, and I'll get there yeah and there's something around people often thinking that activism and social change work should be for free um and I think the thing that is frustrating is that people don't realize one how much energy it takes out of you to do this work and two how challenging it is to hold down like a full-time job or another avenue of making money in order to sustain yourself to make change and actually by being able to earn a living from doing it means that your work is much more sustainable you're able to carry on um making as much change as possible really so I think I always I always find it really uncomfortable when people feel like you should be doing this work as a hobby or, you know, giving up your uh, your time and your emotional labour for free so that other people can be educated around fat phobia. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm in a constant sense of exhaustion, uh, honestly. And I am. And that's that's how I choose to live my life in the sense that, you know, I do what I do. But of course, I'd love to do it full time. I'd love for this to be a viable future for me, but not in the sense that I'm doing it for financial gain. It's that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing my work and I also want to sustain a living from that. And, you know, I used to feel guilty about that, but I absolutely categorically, and I think, and I do actually mean this, this is partly to do with making ways because, as you know, in when we were talking about um, careers and things, and it just hit me that the reason I'm probably still in care is because it's, you know, it's a notable job. It's a job that people are like, oh, Lindsay works in care, that's incredible. But, you know, the work that I do on the side is also incredible, and that should have its ownership of its own and that's okay and I've realized that because of you and I do categorically mean that oh thanks that's so lovely of you to say I'm really pleased that you had that realization and I can't wait to see like what comes next it all feels really exciting well I hope so anyway fingers crossed (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it will be um so one last thing I always ask people to share something or some things that they're really loving at the moment and I wonder what those things might be for you um, I love the hustle. So <laughs> in lockdown, I've been watching the hustle on repeat, and I'm literally talking since March, and that's <laughs> made me feel really good, and I really enjoy watching it. I'm very much enjoying cracker breads with cream cheese and ham, mm. <laughs> and I'm enjoying being around my family, um, and I'm enjoying... I'm enjoying this time of year. It's my birthday tomorrow. It's Christmas coming up. You know, I, I do get quite excited around this. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm very festive, um, but I do enjoy the part of the year. It'll be weird not working this year. It'll be very weird. I've worked the last four Christmas days. So, um, but yeah, I just, I am very much enjoying the the simpler things at the minute, the cracker breads, the hustle, the cuddles with my sister you know, the trips to shop with my dad, walking dog with my dad, watching TV with my mum, we're gin. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm, yeah. like I say, I'm very privileged to have the home life that I do. It sounds like the dream and really great medicine for um, recovering from surgery as well. Yeah, <laughs> and calming <laughs> down a little bit and actually listening to my body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Lindsay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honoured. Oh, not at all. Thanks for listening to another episode of Queers and Co. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'd really recommend, as always, that you go and check out my guest's work. So head to Rolling with Lindsay on Instagram and I will share some other cool links in my show notes so you can follow what Lindsay's up to. Again, if you're free this Saturday, then hopefully see you at the Big Fat Burlesque show. I won't actually see you, but I will <laughs> maybe see you or you can let me know if you come and then I will just know that you've been and that will be cool. One final thing that I haven't mentioned for a while, I don't think I've mentioned it at all this series actually, is wherever you listen to your podcast, if you're able to leave a review, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review about the podcast. That's a really weird way of saying it. I'd appreciate if you could just say that you, well, if you enjoy the podcast, then please rate it. Five star rating, I'm not going to argue with. But obviously, if you don't agree with that rating, then please don't put that. Um, But any ratings you're able to post on the relevant pages would be great. It just helps with visibility. And also when other people are looking for a cool podcast to listen to, then hopefully they'll pick Quiz and Co. I would really appreciate that. And you might like to share it with a friend as well. That would be really cool. Okay, so I will see you next week and hope you all have a really good week, whatever you are doing and yay, it's spring. Bye.